0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin. Sallallahu wasallam ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to give us all types of blessings in this very very special month. We ask Allah to open our hearts to the Quran. We ask Allah to open our hearts to his worship, to his obedience, to the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. We ask Allah to give us the love of those who love Him, and to make us beloved to those who love Him. Subhana. And we ask Him to accept from us whatever little efforts that we put forth. Allahumma ameen. Uh, Here for Ramadan we have a special series, and that series is on glimpses from the lives of the people of the Qur'an. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said about the people of of the Qur'an Ahlul Qur'an Ahlullahi wa khasatum. They are the people of Allah They are Allah's people they are, The people of the Qur'an are Allah's people and His special elect They have a very special place with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala And of course we know the famous hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi That whoever... Uh, the best of you That the best of you Are those who Learn the Quran And teach the Quran And the month of Ramadan Is the month of the Quran and The month of Ramadan is the month of celebrating The Momentous occasion Of the Revelation descending upon Leaving the celestial realm and coming into the uh, terrestrial realm upon the heart of the Prophet wasallam, and leaving from the heart of the Prophet from his blessed mouth to the ears of his companions and to the hearts of his companions. And then for that blessed and, and holy book to be memorized and to be encompassed and to be passed from the hearts of believers generation upon generation upon generation it's truly a miraculous thing, it's truly a miraculous thing to consider the transmission of the book and how it is that this book arrived to us how it is that we have it in, beto- in, in, in our hands and how it is that we can put it in our hearts and we can bring life to our hearts and we can bring life to our homes as the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us that the home wherein Qur'an is not recited is like a home that is, uh, is, is destitute. It's, it's like a dilapidated building. And so we bring life to our hearts through the Qur'an. We bring life to our homes through the Qur'an. We bring life to our families through the Qur'an. We bring life to the communities that we inhabit through the Qur'an and to the world through the Qur'an. And this is the gift of God, glorified and exalted, is He to all of humanity for all of time. And so really the Quran is is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And when we read about the lives and when we hear about the lives of the people of the Quran, then we ourselves are inspired to reignite our relationship with the book, whatever it might be, whether it's memorization, whether it's recitation, whether it's study, reading and contemplation, each person has their own circumstances that they can work with, but you know, uh, it's it's definitely definitely a wonderful thing to learn the Quran from to recite the Quran properly and to feel that you are coming closer and closer and closer step by step to reciting the Quran the way that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to recite the Quran and the way that the companions recited the Quran. Um, and so Because, you know, we have to teach something in Ramadan, I felt that I wanted to teach something that would, inshallah, tie us to Allah's book. And um, initially, one of the main motivations for that, and I took the permission of our beloved friend and teacher, Ustad Fuad, uh, to do this. um, You know, initially, he's really one of the motivations, because... His great-grandfather is one of the people who we will, who we will be discussing. And uh, his great-grandfather was Sheikh Muhammad al-Safi, rahimahullah ta'ala, who is called Abu al-Qurra. Abu qurra his, his title uh, in, in, in Egypt was the father of the Qurra, the father of the reciters of the Qur'an. And he's from kind of like Ra'il uh, al-Awl, the first generation of the great reciters in the modern period you know once once we can rec- once we can record the quran once there's radio broadcasts the the nature of you know the recitation of the quran in some ways or, or the experience of the recitation of the quran changes uh, it's because of that because now you have a radio broadcast where you can hear sheikh muhammad al-saifi who was one of the first people to recite on the Egyptian radio when Egypt opened its first radio I'm not talking about just the Qur'an radio But the first radio station in Egypt <coughs> And the two people that recite initially in that period Are Sheikh Muhammad al-Safi rahimahullah, uh, Our beloved teacher, Ustad Fuad's great-grandfather And the, the well-known and great Qari' Sheikh Muhammad Rifat, Allah uh, and Shaykh al saifi was also known as uh, many different things He was an Qari al-Alim He was an, a, a great scholar of the law As well as a great scholar of the Qur'an And we'll get to him, inshallah Initially I was thinking maybe I'll start with him And I'll, I'll work from that generation in the early 1900s uh, Down to the modern day And as I spoke to Ustad Fuad about it And we started to do some research and things I decided to flip it so today we're going to begin not from the distant past, working to today, but rather from today, working into the past, inshallah, throughout the month. And who knows, uh, you know, how long this will go on after the month, if it if it works out well and inshallah it's beneficial for people, then we may continue after that. So all of that being said. um May Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala protect us from from any sort of intention other than him and may he continue any tawfiq that he has granted subhana but uh, after after last Ramadan I made an intention to uh try to clean up my own recitation and just to just you know to be clear like alhamdulillah I've spent a number of years studying Islam and um, I did study Tajweed when I was in Egypt, and I did have a Sheikh when I was there. Um, I I didn't finish the Qur'an, and the Shaykh I only read on him like maybe Surah Al-Baqarah, a little bit of Ali Imran, I think. And Shaykh was quite good, Alhamdulillah, <laughs> Sheikh Ali Al-Fayyumi, Hafidhullah. He was young, but he's a uh, hafidh of the 10 Qiraat, and he taught many of the other Western students as well. Uh, from what I recall, Sheikh Al was with him, Sheikh Usama was with him. Um, I don't remember who else, but many of the students. And um, uh, but nonetheless, you know, anyone who studied Tajweed kind of knows that the practical side of Tajweed is a skill that decays in a sense. Like if if one doesn't stay on top of it. Y- y- it takes a lot of effort and a lot of focus to really stay on top of your tajweed. And so if you're not constantly doing it, it will uh, deteriorate over time, one's recitation. And I, n- I never got very good in the first place. So after last Ramadan, I said to myself, I need to try to fix this situation. I need to start from the beginning and find a teacher. And alhamdulillah, uh, uh, you know, shortly in that in that period is when I came to know that Sheikh Abdullah Deeb, hafidhulloh, who I'll be speaking about first today, um, was aided by his um, dutiful son, Allah preserve him, Imam Ahmed Deeb, and uh, started an institution called I'tqan Institute. Uh, Sheikh Abdullah has no idea that I'm going to speak about him today. I'm not. uh, This is not like I'm not paid by this or something like that. This is purely out of. a tahduth bin speaking about a blessing, and saying that if we're going to start from today and and move back, then I have to start with my own teacher, and his teacher. So I spoke to him a few days ago, yesterday, about you know wanting to speak about his teacher, and he shared some things with me, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Taha Sukr taala, and we'll uh, we'll get to him as well today, inshallah. But I would like to start with Sheikh Abdullah. Sheikh Abdullah has now an institute called Itqan Institute. When I went on the website today, I noticed that it said that it's that they're actually booked that the scheduling is is booked up, so I don't know that he's accepting new students. <coughs> but you can go there and get information on it and see some recordings and stuff like that. I'll say a little bit of the intro to his biography and then we'll take a break listen to a recording and then come back inshallah so uh Sheikh Abdullah Deeb was born in 1962 Allah preserve him and give him continuing tawfiq uh and his father to to righteous parents um, very very righteous parents um, his father Sheikh Ramadan is uh is from what i recall over a hundred years old now i believe the last i heard was 103 and he still teaches mashallah and he's lived in the masjid since he was 18 years old or like in the residence attached to the masjid Um, so that's a lot of years mashallah Uh, what is that 82 82 but 85 years of being in the masjid leading the salat. Praying with the, praying with the shiuch, so on and so forth, and uh, Sheikh Abdullah told me that his father is now on the brinks of defending and completing his second PhD. Uh, Current, <laughs> like currently, right now, <laughs> currently finishing his second PhD, mashallah, um, and his mother uh, was a, a very, very special woman. Um, perhaps in in the series we might spend some time on Sheikh Sharawi rahimahullah ta'ala one of the things that said about Sheikh Sharawi rahimahullah was that uh, at the moment of his passing he began to give salam to certain people and they were like uh, he was like yeah satna Zainab assalamu alaikum yeah satna Hussein you know, like he saw the images of Sayyidina Zainab, the granddaughter of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He saw Sayyidina Hussein, the, the s- grandson of the Prophet. He saw the Prophet at the moment when his soul was taken from his body. And uh similar things have been said about uh Sheikh Abdullah's mother. Um, so, you know, I don't want to belabor that one too much. It's with Allah. But his mother and father are righteous people and were righteous people. And his father is still teaching up to today. In his early years, he got into the study of the Qur'an because his father encouraged him to, of course, and, and he loved it. And uh, it said that he would have tapes. Like sometimes his father would bring him cassette tapes of, uh, you know, different reciters. Sheikh Muhammad Shaykh al-Husri um, and so on And and those tapes would be very dear to his heart And he would treasure them like like people would treasure gold and silver But that's like his tape of Shaykh al-Husri, for example um, And he met him uh, before he met Sheikh al-Hudhaifi Shaykh al uh really loved Sheikh Abdullah would invite him to, to have food and stuff like that And so he eventually he f- finished the memorization of the Qur'an by age 16 um, and, uh, and became like a well-known Qari' by age 18. Um, <coughs> and so his primary teacher in the Qur'an and the source of his ijazah in that, was Shaykh Muhammad ibn Taha Sukr, as I mentioned. Um, Shaykh Muhammad Sukr, rahimahullah, had one of the shortest chains of narration connecting to the Prophet them in the world when he was alive. And um, so that's, you know, Sheikh Abdullah's chain is also very, very short. And, uh, m- you know, Sheikh Muhammad had many students, um, but he was known for his, his, his accuracy and his precision in the recitation, which we'll come to in his part, inshallah. So now I'm going to take a small break here. I'm going to share my screen and we'll listen to um, a little bit of a recitation from Shaykh Abdullah. Uh, just to kind of nastashiar to, al-mauqif, to kind of feel his recitation. Alhamdulillah, we were blessed one time when uh, Sheikh Abdullah came and he visited the majlis when we had the location. He came to the majlis and he, he sat with all of us and he gave kind of like a word of reminder and he recited some Qur'an. So, um, you know, alhamdulillah. Can you still tell me, I'm going to play it for two seconds, you tell me if you hear it. Yeah, okay Tight. Then I'm going to make this full screen We probably won't listen to the whole eight minutes But we'll listen to more than Like enough so that you can actually get into it And we'll see what happens after that Inshallah Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillah
1: Inshallah Inshallah لا إِلَّا الْعُرْفُ الْعَرْفِ Faith is المُؤْمِنِينَ ويبشِرُ المُؤْمِنِينَ, <تصفيق> ويبشر المؤمنين الذين يعملون لهم أجرا كبيرا، وأن الذين لا. ويدعو الإنسان بالشر دعا وَجَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَا وَآيَتَيْنِ وَجَعَلْنَا اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَا وَآيَتَيْنِ فَمَحَوْنَا لتبتغوا فضلا من ربكم ولتعلموا عدد السنين والحساب وكل شيء the first
0: Okay We'll stop there inshallah I think it's uh, Sufficient to To make the point Alhamdulillah Allah protects him um, Sheikh Abdullah Has a uh, Number of Interesting And important qualities um, One of the interesting things is the question of You know so many things happen in people's lives that are so monumental. How does it happen that uh, someone like him comes to America? He came to America in 1999. Why would he come to America? You know, and um, turns out that he had a teacher, sheikh, who, um, when he was thinking about continuing the Quran and doing more of the qiraat and stuff like that, the sheikh advised him maybe it would be good if you learn English and you start to teach people about islam you know like call people to islam call tell them about islam and so this is what kind of led to him coming to america learning english uh, and giving giving dawah to people teaching in the masajid, stuff like that and uh, in my conversations with him i found that he's very very concerned and interested in the affairs of converts that we have to take care of them and we have to support them and be with them and treat them like we would treat our own children and our own brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and uh, make sure that they're supported in any way that they can They can be. Uh, one of the things his son told me was that many, many people that he, he, he knows because he's been with him on this journey have heard him recite Quran and accepted Islam. And the next day, they would be in his Quran circles and studying Quran with him and learning the Quran with him. Um, I've had a number of conversations with him about, you know, people who converted to Islam and how how can we support them and how can we help them in specific cases. Even, you know, I know this person, I have this case. How can we support and so on? Um, and another another thing is that you know. And I won't spend too much time on this one because I, I don't want him to feel any sort of discomfort about it, but he's been mistreated by a lot of people, taken advantage of by a lot of people, mistreated by a lot of people, and yet remains very humble, very sincere, very loving, um, just wanting good for people. And so uh, these are these are really beautiful qualities, being in the service of people. Um, he'll always, always speak about his teachers, and how much he loved his teachers and how much his teachers were, were true people of knowledge and true people of Qur'an. And he just has a small, small piece of what they had, if anything at all. And all he wants to be is someone who can serve them and, and support them. And we'll see that when we get to the biography uh, right now of his Shaykh, uh, Shaykh Muhammad Sukr, rahimahullah Taala. So this is just a little bit. There's actually a lot more. Um, I was speaking to his son, Imam Ahmed, today. About it, and um, he gave me a lot of really beautiful things. But some of which you know, I don't want to say too much, I just want to say a little bit by way of brief introduction. And inshallah, you know, Imam Ahmed and the family can archive these things and preserve them and save them for when they feel the time is right, inshallah. But this is just a little bit of Kenny uh, Shukr more than anything else to to express my gratitude to the to the Sheikh and to um, you know let people know who he is and that he's here and um, you can study with him or at least with his students and people you, with the institute um, as well. So now, taala. Uh, we move on to Shaykh Muhammad ibn Taha Sukkar Rahimahullah. Allah have mercy on him. He died in two thousand and eight. And um, for anyone who speaks Arabic, you can look on YouTube uh, for. Uh, there's a lecture on YouTube that I I took a lot of this material from by uh, Sheikh Samir Nas, Sheikh Mohammed Samir Nas, who's kind of a, like around in the American Muslim community. His his sons are around. Um, he travels a lot, but he's himself. He's a physician, and he's also uh, a great scholar. He's a hafiz of the ten. He's a hafiz of the ten Qira'at. From uh, Sheikh Sukr. And he's also, he was also, he's the son in law of Sheikh Sukr. So there is a lecture online where I gathered some of this information in addition to what I was able to hear from uh, Sheikh Abdullah Deeb Hafidahullah. So um, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Taha Sukr was born in Damascus in a, a neighborhood called, called Hay al Afif in 1922. 1922. So he was born in 1922, died in 2008, so, you know, in his 80s. He was in his 80s. Um, He was known for his accuracy and his precision and strictness in the recitation and teaching. So one thing that you'll find as kind of like a general trend, I'm not a specialist in this field, but this is just my, my feeling as a general trend, is you'll find that there, there's there there are a number of issues related to the recitation of the Quran. There's the issue of the Makharij, the where the letters are pronounced from, there's the issues of the rules of tajweed of pronunciation uh, or of recitation, and um and, and the accuracy in that. And then there are issues of what they call adat, adat which is the delivery in a sense of the recitation. And so you'll find that The Egyptians, especially, you know, in like the middle of the 1900s, late 1900s, um, are, are really gifted in Adat. Of course, they have the makharij, they have everything. They have the rules and everything else, but their gift is in the delivery of the recitation of the Qur'an. And for me, like myself, it's very difficult for me to listen to other than Egyptians. I'm very biased when it comes to the Qur'an, um, recitation of the Qur'an. And now, of course, I can listen to some Syrians, but you listen to it from a different angle. And with the Syrians, you, you find that the scholars of the Qur'an from Syria are extremely good in the, in, in the rules. And making sure that they're all followed And the letters are pronounced properly And so on and so forth It's it's a very precise recitation And uh, so, you know This is uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Taha Sukr was known For the precision of his recitation And that he would be He, he wouldn't um, He was very gentle but very strict So he was very kind and patient And everything else But he was very strict as a teacher So, you know, like Sheikh Abdullah said don't think that I just read Fatiha to him and it was done. Like I sat with Fatiha with him repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And in his in his majlis there would be many people who were reciting to him. Each one takes their turn. And if they recite their their piece and it goes well, he'd say alhamdulillah. Inshallah next time we'll hear the rest. And if someone else recited and they needed to work on it a little bit, he would say, Inshallah inshaAllah, Like inshaAllah, we'll repeat it next time. Next time you come, you just repeat the same piece again until you get it right. And um, some people would, you know, spend really long amounts of times on Surah Al-Fatiha and Juz Amma, stuff like that. Because the idea is, we're going to make sure that you're getting this thing right. So that it's preserved from what we have from the Prophet Wasallam And that the generations that come afterwards will also have it. So uh, this is what he was known for at the age of 5 his father passed away and uh, he became an orphan in the islamic sense when your father passes away and you only have your mother you're uh, yatim and uh, but in this period you know alhamdulillah he he came from a good family his family was rifai husaini um, in their lineage and um His his family members were people of deen, people of of Islam, and they they cared for Islam. And so his older siblings and family members and stuff would take him to the lessons, the lessons of the shuyukh. This is what they used to do. You know, subhanAllah, the, the shuyukh are teaching, like, we're talking about big shuyukh, not like... Uh, you know, big Shuch are teaching in, in all of th- all of these different masajid around Damascus, all these different masjids around Damascus. And people would go to the lesson. You go to the lesson, you sit with the Sheikh, you ask for their dua, you learn some things, you go on. So his family would take him to these lessons and one of the lessons that they took him to was a uh reading of a book called Mishkat al Masabih. Mishket al masabi which uh Ustad Fu'ad was reading with one of the Shiyuk recently, uh from what I recall. And uh, it's it's like also a main text in the South Asian curriculum, the Darshni curriculum. It's the book they study before they go into the books of the Sunnah. So he was going to this class. One one of the lesson, one of the things about his life, I heard that he was going to this class with Sheikh uh, Ali atikrity, rahimahullah. And uh, they came to the section in the book on the virtues of the people who learn the Quran. He's a small child, you know, five years old, six years old, something, seven years old, and in this period after his father passed away. And he hears the section of the hadith on the virtues of the one who learns the Qur'an. And from that time, he decided that he wants to be someone that, that knows the Qur'an, that he wants to be from the people of the Qur'an. And so he expressed this intention to his mother, and his mother began to, re- to memorize with him. She would give him a piece to memorize. He'd memorize. He'd recite it back to her, and they say that he finished the memorization of the Quran like this around the age of ten. And uh, after that, began to go to like the the and reciters of Quran and stuff, and really finished like the, the proper khatam when he was fifteen, proper you know reading of the Quran on the sheikh. So uh, this was his childhood was spent in that, and they said that at that time in Damascus for tarawih. Most of the people who were leading Tarawih prayer in Ramadan, they wouldn't complete the entire Qur'an in Tarawih. They wouldn't recite one Juz every night. Most of them were reciting less. But there was one sheikh who was known to do that, Yasin and Yasin in Rahimahullah. And he used to recite in a one of the rooms that's connected to the Masjid al-Umui, the, the grand uh, mosque of the Umayyad mosque in Damascus. Which is one of the great... Uh, masajid of islam you know it's one of the great Masajid of islam if you look it up online and stuff so he used to recite there he used to recite the whole juz 130th 30th of the quran every night and it'd be like all older people there and then this this little kid right uh, sheikh muhammad was a was a small kid at that time and so the sheikh the sheikh was leading he was like what's going on i need to talk to this kid he talked to him he found out his story he said why why do you come here? he said li umekina min min al-hibdh. Because I memorize the Qur'an, but I want to make sure that I'm strong in my memorization. So I come here to pray behind you, because then I can hear the whole Qur'an in Ramadan. So the Shaykh was like, you know what you need to do? You need to go to another Shaykh. His name is Shaykh Muhammad Atani." So he said, okay, so he, he goes to him. He's like the Sheikh of the Qur'an in that time, in, in that place. And Sheikh Muhammad Faiz is actually blind. SubhanAllah you see it in a lot of the A lot of these great reciters They were blind SubhanAllah Shaykh Muhammad Rifat also uh, Allah Yirham So he, he tells him You need to go to Shaykh al diratani And uh, you should study with him So Shaykh Muhammad goes to him And he, he, he meets the Shaykh He starts to recite to him and he recites all of the qiraat on him. He learns all of, uh, you know, does the Qur'an again with him, does the variations of the recitation of the Qur'an with him. And actually, what um, one of the things Sheikh Samir al-Nas says, Hafidahullah in his lecture about it, was that he did all of this studying with the Sheikh in the Qur'an, and he didn't ask the ijazah from him. Because he wasn't there for the ijazah. You know, the like chain of narration. He it wasn't there for like the piece of paper. He was there to make sure that he's from the people of the Qur'an as mentioned in the hadith that he learned when he was smaller. So he's just going to the sheikh, he's learning, he's learning. And the sheikh wrote the ijazah for another one of the students. And at the time that he wrote it for the other student, he wrote it for Sheikh Muhammad too, because he's like, you deserve it too. And he wrote, he wrote it for him. This is how he got his ijazah. And he stayed with him. He would accompany him wherever he could accompany him. He'd drive him places. He'd take him places, stuff like that. Again, because he was blind. So he'd take him on his on his trips and everything else. Um, <clears throat> and he stayed with the Shaykh. And he <clears throat> didn't teach, actually. Uh, like, he didn't sit for iqra'ah. He didn't sit for teaching. Until his shaykh passed away When his shaykh passed away Then he was like Okay now I can sit And I'll, I'll hear from people And I'll, I'll instruct them And I'll teach them But as long as my sheikh is alive Then I don't have any need You know That's not appropriate for me to do So after that was when he began to teach uh, They say that he would often repeat When he's teaching and to his students and stuff وَاتَّقُوا you وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُوا اللَّهِ this verse from the Quran, portion of the verse from the Qur'an, وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهُ وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ اللَّهُ Then have taqwa of Allah, and Allah will teach you. Have taqwa of Allah, and Allah will teach you. So he used to repeat this a lot. In addition to his uh, knowledge of the Qur'an, he also took fiqh very seriously. He was shafi'i in his madhab. He studied from gr- some of the great scholars of his time in the, in the shafi'i school, like Shaykh Ali takriti and Shaykh uh, Salih Al-Aqad, rahimahum Allah and he had a special relationship with the latter that they were very close, that Sheikh Saleh actually wouldn't like accept invitations to eat at people's homes and stuff like that except with Sheikh Muhammad and he would go to him all the time and they would spend time together, he would learn together um, It's said that he was patient and forbearing in his method of teaching but of course also very strict and that's out of his love for the Qur'an and the priority to him was to knowledge, nothing else had the same rank and the same importance as knowledge, That the people of knowledge would have the highest honor and rank with him. And that was the most important thing, was to seek that knowledge and to learn about the Qur'an, to learn about the Prophet wasallam. Interestingly, he, in addition to, you know, he was a, sc- a scholar, obviously, of the Qur'an, scholar of fiqh, he used to teach fiqh. So he was Shafi'i and Madhub, he used to teach fiqh as well. And he used to teach tafsir as well. In addition to all of this, he was actually a businessman. So it wasn't that he was like a full-time sheikh or something. Actually, he was a businessman. He had a business that was in Suq al-Khagyartin in Damascus. And they say that what his, his schedule basically was that he would wake up you go to Fajr. In the period after Fajr, he would sit and he would listen to students. Sheikh Samran Nas says that oftentimes this would be in his home. This would be like the advanced students who come to his home to read to him and he would listen to them and correct them and you know, so on. And um, <coughs> and then after that, around like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, he would go to his business. He would walk to his uh, store, he would go to his store, do whatever, whatever he needs to do there until like maybe Asr time. So, you know, he spend like a good chunk of the day there. And then he would leave the store, <coughs> do whatever else he needed to do, teach the classes that he's teaching or whatever. And then he would sit again for listening to students, specifically between Maghrib and Aisha. You know, he prayed Maghrib. He, he, lead, he led the Salat in the local masjid too. So he lead Maghrib, lead Asha, sit between Maghrib and Esha for the students to listen to them. And so he combined between all of these things. Uh, Rahimahullah Ta'ala. Um, <coughs> he was also uh, very adamant about his worship so much so that you know and, and subhanallah there's there's an interesting uh, point that Sheikh Samir mentions his son-in-law who's again as i mentioned also a physician who said that uh, towards the end of the sheikh's life Shaykh Muhammad Sukkar rahimahullah he was very ill and <coughs> because of that illness Dr. Samir was encouraging him that he shouldn't fast That he shouldn't fast. That's really not good for you. You're older, you're ill, so on and so forth. You shouldn't fast. So finally he convinced him, even though he he didn't want to give up fasting. And he found that actually when he gave up fasting, his health deteriorated. That uh, His his health became worse when he stopped fasting. There was some sort of spiritual strength that he was deriving from this fast. Um, That when he stopped fasting, his health started to decline... And so, Doctor Samer, Sheikh Samer, actually told him, like, no, actually, why don't you go back to fasting, continue fasting, and um, he would still stand in the night in prayer. He would continue his teaching as long as he could. Rahimuhullah taala. Again, as I mentioned before, one of the big things about him was that he wasn't so so much into kind of like the beautification of the recitation, so to speak. the The goal of the recitation is to receive it as it was transmitted and transmit it as it was received and generation upon generation would do that and so he was very uh, particular in the method i'm going to play inshallah uh, right now a small portion of uh, a recitation from him so that we can hear that and then we'll continue and then we'll conclude with uh, the piece on um, on his passing the piece on his passing inshallah so let me pull this i have it here this is the الله.
2: أيها الناس ربكم الذي خلقكم ربكم الذي خلقكم والذين قبلكم لعلكم تتقون الذي جعل لكم الأرض فراشاً والسماء فأتوا بسورة من مثله وادعوا شهداءكم من دون الله إن كنتم صادقين فإن لم تفعلوا ولن تفعلوا فاتقوا النار التي وقودها الناس والخجارة وعدت للكافرين وبشر الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات أن لهم أن لهم جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار كلما رزقوا منها من ثمرة رزقا قالوا قالوا هذا الذي رزقنا من قبل وأوتوا به مُتَشَابِهًا وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجٌ طَاهِرَةٌ وَهُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ
0: نصر الله رحمه الله رحمه الله so you see that his recitation is meant to be very precise very precise um he رحمه الله تعالى as i mentioned he passed away in 2008 and uh actually Sheikh Abdullah has an interesting story about that because he found out you know, he came to know that the Sheikh was ill and so he endeavoured to travel to Syria to see him before he passes away. And he was making dua, you know, Ya Allah allow me to see him before he passes. Just Nadra. Just just to just to see him. I don't have to actually even say salam, we don't have I just want to see my Sheikh again before he passes away. And so, Sheikh Abdullah went to Sham, and, and he arrived, and he visited, of course, his father. And towards the end of his stay, he tried to uh, you know, inquire as to where um <coughs> Sheikh Muhammad was. And he went to the hospital. He found out that he's not at the hospital anymore. They sent him home. He said, so the next day I went and I prayed fajr in his masjid, and then I went to the home, and I tried to see if I could I could visit him. And uh, they they told me that, you know, there's no visitors allowed. His son, of course I know his family, I know his son, they told him there's no visitors allowed. The sheikh is, is too tired, is too sick, um, can't handle visitors, you know. And so Sheikh Abdullah told him, you know, I'm traveling tomorrow. I don't want anything more than just to look at him. We don't have to say anything, we don't have to disrupt him, we don't have to, just, I just want to peek in the door and look at the sheikh, and, you know, before I leave back to America so finally he convinced him and they, they took him and they took him to the room and he said when he came to the room it's as if the sheikh felt that he was there and he kind of like opened his eyes and he said uh, Shaykh Abdullah is here and 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 he said uh, so Sheikh Abdullah said he said Naam Sayyidi my, 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 my master my Sayyid I'm here I'm here and he went and he kissed his feet and he he said salam to him and he you know walked backwards to leave the room just said just said salam that's it because you know he didn't want it to disturb him and um and that was the farewell and uh he said you know that that day or the next day he he got on his flight and when he arrived in America he received the news that the sheikh had passed away rahimahullah ta'ala sheikh muhammad Sukkar uh so you know these are these are great great people we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to benefit from them and to continue the legacy that has come before us uh, throughout this month, we will cover other biographies. I wanted to start here, but from here, we're going to move to the Egyptians. And um, there's some good series that have been done, like uh, Al Jazeera did. If you understand Arabic, the Al Jazeera did a series called Aswat uh, Minas Sama, that's that's quite good. And Qanat Nas in Egypt did a series called Sufara al Quran, which is also quite good. So we'll use that, and we'll begin our journey with the Qur'an, with the reciters of the Qur'an. Uh, Also worth mentioning that, you know, my wife, she encouraged me and made sure that I don't only include male reciters but that there are some mention of at least female reciters because there are some great ones and alhamdulillah today I I heard back from one of the local brothers um, who's kind of like a hidden giant in his learning um, but he's, mashallah, recited the piraat to different sheikhs and sheikhas, and um, he shared with me some some really nice information that, inshallah, we will make part of one of the one of the sessions as well. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to accept from us, to make us closer to the Quran, and to make this month a month of great blessings and great openings for all of us. Allahumma Amin. اللهم صل وسلم وزد وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك والعصر إلا الانسان في خسر الا الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر